My name is Jeremy Slate, founder of Command Your Brand. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am so excited to have Jeremy Slate with us today. Jeremy Slate is a successful entrepreneur. He is the founder and creator of the Create Your Life Podcast, which studies highest performers in the world. He's studied literature at Oxford University. He specializes in using podcasting and new media to celebrate celebrity and was ranked number one in iTunes new and number 78 in the iTunes top 100. He was named the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019, as well as being named a top influencer by Forbes. After his success in podcasting, Jeremy Slate and his wife, Brielle Slate, founded Command Your Brand to help entrepreneurs get their message out by appearing as guests on podcasts. I'm really excited to jump in and hear Jeremy's expertise in podcasting and his insight into the world of entrepreneurism. Really quick before we do that, if you or someone you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, um, I just need to keep moving forward, losing weight, working hard, whatever comes after that sentence, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do in life and it's not turning out the way you expected, or somebody keeps telling you how successful you are and you just get this pit in your stomach because you don't believe it, the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me was, what does success mean to you? As I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask and answer this question for themselves enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind will help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into the life that you've designed and surround yourself with people who give you the courage to step out of your comfort zone and live that vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone you know needs in their life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com for more information and to schedule a call to see if we're a good fit to work together. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show with me today. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to get a chance to chat with you today. I am super excited. So podcasting world, like I love this world so much, but I'm so interested to find out how people got into it. Where yeah. was the inspiration behind starting your podcast? So I've been a podcast listener since like, I'm trying to put a, a year on it, like 2006 or 2007 or something like that. And um, I had a college professor that introduced me to a podcast called uh, The No Agenda Show, where they just kind of like make fun of the news for three hours twice a week. It's great. <laughs> and um, that was kind of my first introduction. And also like at that period in time, like it was very a very new space. So it was a lot of like audiobooks and that were in the public domain and stuff like that. Start listening to a book and you're like, oof, this person's not interesting. So you'd find, find somebody else that read it or whatever it might be. So it was kind of like a really, really, you know, new space. 
And I listened to, you know, I guess, I guess we're on like 12 or 13 years now of listening to this same podcast I still listen to. I was always like, you know, I think I could do that. And I had been through a bunch of things that didn't really work out. Like I've failed more than I've succeeded. I was like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast because I'm going to do something for myself. So I started a podcast in the beginning of 2015 called Rock Your Life. It was absolutely horrible and atrocious. <laughs> it lasted for about 60 days before I quit. I took a course and did some other stuff to kind of like, you know, really approach it more as a professional. And towards the end of 2015, I launched Create Your Own Life. I love it. And there's so much in that that speaks to what we go through as entrepreneurs, especially the failing more than you've succeeded. Like, <laughs> I feel like we start our business and we're like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to, you know, reach all these goals that I have. And then all of a sudden, like, you get this real kick of reality when like shit just keeps hitting the fan. And I know I went through this phase where I was like, maybe I'm just not meant to be an entrepreneur, right? (laughs) Like maybe I just suck at life and I need to go back to, you know, bartending, serving, whatever, Um, which I loved not knocking bartenders or servers, by the way. Um, And then you hear people like this for me, and this is why I love talking to people like yourself, hearing people say it over and over again, like, yeah, I failed so much. I failed so much. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not just a cliche statement. Well, it, it, the thing is too, and it's, I was talking to Kevin Harrington uh, about this not too long ago. Uh, Kevin Harrington was one of the original sharks on Shark Tank, and he's a, he was speaking to a, a room you know, of a couple thousand people not too long ago, well, when he could still do that. Um, and he said, he said, I want to let you know, out of all you guys in the room, I've failed more than any of you, but it's because I've taken more chances. And I think that's one of the things, like, you know, I know at least in my own story, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, like, we're kind of afraid to fail that first time. And then once you kind of get over it, you're like, all right, cool. I'll just get some better knee pads or something next time and, and you know, kind of, kind of work through this. But like, I look through each business that didn't work out for me and I've gained a skill or I've gained an ability or something from each one of those that wouldn't have set me up to do a lot of what I do now had I not failed each one of those individual things. So I think it's really important to take a look at your failures and see what can you learn from them. I wouldn't say that you have to fail, but the thing is, if, if you're going to, it's going to happen. So I would say, figure out what you can learn from it and kind of, you know, don't take it so hard next time. Yeah. And I think that that's a really key point is actually looking at your failures and learning from them because failing sucks, but you can do it less and less if you actually learn from it. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've read David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. Have you read that? I yet? have not read. I have not read his book though. I've, I've heard, I know a lot about David's story. Okay. So he talks about in his book about doing like after action reports, like they did in the mm-hmm. military. Every time he tried a business venture, every time he tried a race or really anything in his life that he was trying to do. And it was that, that look at what can I do? What did I do? Well, what can I do better? And I feel like we don't always take the time to, to do that in business. Well, at the same time, like we take those failures so hard as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you look like your life depends on it. If that thing fails, I think sometimes you can tie your identity up in a lot of those things, right? Like, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a failure if this doesn't work out. Because I know for me, like, you know, my master's degree is in ancient history. It's like not a very marketable skill in like getting a job. So the first kind of thing that, um, you know, I jumped into after my mom had a stroke was into network marketing, which I didn't know what that was. So I saw this presentation. I thought it was going to be like a, you know, rolling like Bill Gates or somebody like that after like a week of like doing this didn't work out like that. And, you know, like I made some decent money, but it wasn't going to go where I wanted things to go. But I held on to it for a really long time because one of my really close friends, when I started doing this, had said to me that, you know, and this was a crazy thing that most people wouldn't believe if, if I, you know, my wife hadn't been there 
saying like, hey, this did actually happen. Um, he said to me, hey, I know what you're doing. I'm going to do what I have to do to see you fail. And like, had he not said that to me, I probably wouldn't have had any problem moving on to the next thing. But I had to succeed, make that thing succeed so hard because I had to prove him wrong that I stayed in a lot longer. So I think as well, like you have to look at like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing this for somebody else? Like what is the purpose and what I'm doing here and you know, why it's not working out? Yeah, I think that that's 100% accurate. And a lot of times we don't ask those questions, especially when it comes to committing to something and then deciding whether or not we still want it, right? Yeah. Like we just, we get so addicted to accomplishments. We get so addicted Mm -hmm. to like feeling that rush when something works out the way that it's supposed to, that I feel (laughs) like sometimes we chase that instead of chasing what we actually should be. Well, it's, it's also like, I guess, knowing the trajectory of where you want things to go and kind of looking at where you currently are and saying, hey, yeah, this is great or, you know, this is cool in the moment, but like, where, where's the, the end goal of this as well? Like, I think a lot of times we don't line this up with, with our own trajectory or what that trajectory could look like. So we waste a lot of time. You know what I mean? We waste a lot of time doing things that don't really matter as much as they should. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your um, podcast that you started initially. Um, What do you think was the biggest learning that you took from walking away from that after 60 days? I was one of very few people in the world that still used Microsoft Paint. That was kind of the first thing I learned. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that cover, it looked really bad and it's, it's cringeworthy. Um, so that was kind of the first thing. The second thing was like, what does it mean to approach something like a professional, right? And I, and I think professionalism is actually a mindset and it's actually an approach rather than just like, hey, you won this award, you're a pro. Like, it, it's not like that. So like, to me, that meant, you know, getting more skills. Like, how can I interview better? How can I run a content calendar better? How can I, you know, present better audio, find a better designer to do this graphic design because Microsoft Paint wasn't really working out for me. Like, so it's really a way of being in a way of approaching something. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the best out of the gate, but professionalism is an approach. So to me, that was the biggest thing that I learned is what professionalism was and how that approach can kind of really just change everything for you. And And I think since that, I've tried to approach everything I do in my life as somebody that's a professional at it. Now, it doesn't mean I, I know it has to be perfect because if you read some of my early blog posts, oh, there are so many misspellings. <laughs> but like you approach it with the mindset of like, what is the best version of this that I can make at this moment? Yeah, that's super important, you know, approaching it as a professional, because I feel like so many times people jump into this saying, okay, we're going to test this out and see if it Ooh, works. That's rough. And when you do that, you're just setting yourself up to fail. Like you're halfway in and you're like giving yourself that out. You know, it's gotta be like, this is going to work like this. I'm all in on this. I keep seeing posts from people. Um, and they're at the very beginning of their journey, which I can completely relate to, but I keep seeing posts like, um, need a side hustle. Anybody got any suggestions that doesn't cost much to start and is um, not going to take very much work. And I just, but I'm going to make a whole bunch of money. Yes. And I just want to call them and be like, Oh, you have so much, so much to learn, um, about entrepreneurism. Um, and, and that's kind of where you mentioned MLM and, and network marketing and the idea that, that gets sold. And I think this is where it really gets its bad name. Because I know some amazing people that have built great careers on network marketing Um, and they're products Mm -hmm. that we all buy every single day. And honestly, we could get into a whole conversation about how networking, (laughs) network marketing is the most brilliant marketing strategy for companies ever. Yeah. But it gets sold to people on 
give me $49 for your welcome kit and you'll be a millionaire in like two days. Um, and it just doesn't work. It's, that it's way. interesting too. Cause I, at least I've, I've seen like a cycle too of a way, like, you know, like I guess a new prospect approaches it as well. Like initially, like they don't want it to be a get rich quick scheme. And then once they get started, they do. And then they're upset that they're not rich in two weeks or something like that. So I think at the same time, like it's understanding, you know, any investment, any business you start is going to take time. It's going to take, you know, getting your competence level up to where you can accomplish something, you know, and not just thinking right out of the gate, like, Hey, I got to make a whole mess load of money to, to make this work for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think no matter what we're doing, no matter what business um, adventure that we're taking, and I, I say adventure on purpose because it always is an adventure. Oh yeah. Um, it's a full no matter, contact sport. Yes, it is 100%. <laughs> um, if whatever amount of work you think is going to be involved in making it successful, it's always 10 times that amount. And so you yeah. can think like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be so much work, but I'm in for it. And then you get in there and you're like, wait a minute, like <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Well, and, and I, 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 I love that too, because the 10X rule from Grant Cardone is like a book that like literally changed my life, like realizing how much effort it takes. Because I remember one, my first time selling life insurance, right? Like I, I, it was what I, what I had done right after I came out of network marketing. And they'd give you like this list of like, I don't know, like a hundred people. And I'd call like two people and they wouldn't want to talk to me. And I'd be like, oh no, oh no, the two people don't want to talk to me. I'm going to die. And I, and I think you like, you learn very, very quickly, like the amount of effort it takes to not only get an appointment, but then even pass that how many appointments you need to get a sale. And I think that's the biggest thing too, is like, once you've got a little experience, you kind of get a barometer for this stuff and you can start to kind of set way markers for yourself, right? Like, you know, like how many outreaches do I need to get an appointment? Okay, good. How many appointments do I need to get a sale? Okay, good. You know, and then, you know, like what level of service do I then need to offer so I can get a referral? So I think these are some of the things you have to look at in terms of like how you're breaking it down. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally never had the um, door-to-door sales experience, except Girl Scout cookies, when we could still go door-to-door to sell <laughs> That's Girl That's easy, Scout though. Cookies. People want Girl Scout right. cookies. That's oh, you got Thin Mints. Give them all to me. Right? I thought that selling my programs was going to be like selling Thin Mint cookies, and it is not the same. Um, you, you buy 20 boxes, you put them in your giant freezer in the basement so that they're good to go and nice and cold when you want to yes. eat them. But yes. Yeah. No, instead, entrepreneurism is more like selling the weight loss program that you need after you eat the 20 boxes of things. Yes, that's about what it's right. (laughs) Yes. The the sales idea is so important. Like people who had the insurance background, the door-to-door sales, the the crappy jobs that we all ran away from, Mm -hmm. um, they're set up so great when it comes to entrepreneurism because that, that initial... Like you just said, oh my gosh, they don't want to talk to me. I guess nobody wants to talk to me. Kind of goes away. So we're in a digital age now where people are sending out blanket messages that sometimes have the right name in them and sometimes they don't. Or sometimes Um, it says, hello, first name fix or something like that. Yes, something like that. (laughs) So what's your biggest piece of advice from somebody who has gone from the door-to-door sales to the insurance sales to now the um, virtual world to somebody who's just starting out and trying to figure out how to make those connections in in a valuable way? 
I, I will say um, on a side note, as the other day I got somebody, uh, somebody's chat bot message on Facebook from somebody that has a blue check mark, mind you, that was, hey, first name fix. And I'm like, oh, oh no, like, oh no, don't. you're supposed to be successful. What's happening? <laughs> um, so that like wasn't good. But I, the, here's the thing I'll say, right? And, and I don't remember where I heard this stat from. So um, I, I guess we'd have to you know, figure that out. But if you look at the percentage of people that are in CEO roles, or you know, high-level leadership roles, a lot of them have some sort of sales background because it is a different type of animal to have to kind of manage that because you have to, a lot of times, motivate yourself. You have to hold yourself accountable. So I think it, it is a different type of person that holds that job. I will say then, you know, moving into, you know, like kind of more of the digital approach and stuff like that, like there, there is a certain amount of like a high number of things you have to do. And that's just, that's just how it is because the, the, cu- the current customer gets bombarded by so many things. But I guess a really good example of this is when I reached out to, you know, the, the initial people I really wanted to talk to on my podcast when I first started it. So I made a list of the hundred people I most admire. And I spent like eight hours writing individual emails to these people. Um, my wife thought I was nuts. And, um, I found that the really important thing was like, you start with purpose, like the purpose behind why I'm doing this is right. And I, cause I find so many times people are like, well, the purpose is I need money and I need to survive. And it's like, <laughs> well, that's great. But when you have your attention on that, it becomes really hard to survive and it becomes really hard to make that money. So, you know, what is your purpose? You know, like, what are you, what are you trying to, to cause? What are you trying to create in the world? And people can really buy into a really great purpose that helps other people survive well. So that was kind of the first thing I started with is, hey, you know, I'm reaching out to you because this is my purpose. Um, You know, I've really admired a lot of what you've done. Um, You know, here's some of the people I have interviewed that kind of um, have given me a little social proof. Um, I'd love to set a time with you. And, And I think that was how I approached it early on. But I think when you lead with purpose you can really get people to buy into that. And it's got to be a real purpose and a good purpose and help others survive well. It's something other people aren't thinking with. They're thinking with, hey, you need to make me survive. Hey, you need to buy stuff from me. Hey, you need to help me. But when it starts with purpose, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference. Yeah, I love that. And actually, that's one of the first times anybody's ever mentioned that on the show. And it's so powerful. Oh, cool. Um, I interviewed Steve Sims, and he kind of said the same thing, but in person, where he talked about- Did he mention his whiskey at the same time? Yes, always. Always (laughs) mentions the whiskey. I love Steve. Oh, me too. Um, But he mentioned like, you walk up to somebody at a bar or at a cocktail party, Mm -hmm. and getting that, this is why I'm here out of the way, allows walls to drop down. Because otherwise, the entire time you're communicating, the other person is sitting there thinking, okay, what does this person want from me? Like, why are they here? Why are they talking to me? And so I never actually thought about taking that into the digital world as well. So that's super powerful advice. Well, I think that's one of the things too. It's like, I think because we like put this screen in front of us, we like forgot how to be human. And I think that's the thing you initially have to realize is we're communicating to human beings, right? Like I'm one end of a communication line, you're another end of a communication line. I think it's really important to, to take a look at that. And I'll say as well, like we've all been in networking events with the guy that won't put his damn business cards away and everybody's running away from him. Yes. Like, becoming that person online is not going to help you either. Like you have to stick to your purpose. Now it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot more reaches to do that. So you may have some late nights initially, but you have to, you have to start with purpose and people kind of realize what you're doing. And even if they don't buy into it, they can respect the fact that you're operating from purpose. Yeah, 100%. And also I will say um, taking it into 
defining what a successful conversation is because that yeah. guy that's at that networking event that's chasing oh. everybody around with his business he's got cards. glasses he's got a comb over and he's got like yes. 20 cards and he's chasing you and you're like no and then he just starts away. throwing them at you hoping they stick right like or, or he somehow you. manages to get yours and then he calls you afterwards talking about the conversation you didn't have but anyway so <laughs> i just thought about this i want to turn my business card i really don't want to do this but this is next level um i want to turn my business cards into paper airplanes and then you can just like throw them at people and you don't even have to like approach them so yeah (laughs) that's the not what not to do um but that for that person success is money if i don't make a sale then this was a failure. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you're reaching out to somebody saying, Hey, this is my purpose. I'd love to book a call with you. Maybe Mm -hmm. a really good conversation is success for you. Maybe some insight from how they do what they do is success. Maybe a, I'm not ready right now, but I might be in a couple of months, Mm -hmm. you know, circle back to me as success. And so I really think that you have to really set yourself up for what do I want to take out of this call? And, and what can I gain from this person outside of give me money? Yeah. Well, I think it's also at the same time, like, you know, going back to that, like, give me money thing. Like too many people think like the end result of a conversation is a sale, right? Like it could be a great relationship. It could be, Hey, I know somebody you should definitely meet or, you know, like, cause I've, I've met, I've gotten some really hard to get guests that way by somebody saying, Hey, you know, like you should meet this person. I'm like, Ooh, I've wanted to meet that person. So like, it's when you take the time to develop a relationship with somebody, really connect with somebody and really get in communication with somebody that's a game changer. But when it's just about money, like, you know, people can feel it, right? They can feel that energy of you, like looking at them with, with dollar signs in your eyes. And it's, you're actually not communication, communicating somebody. You're actually putting up a barrier to real communication. Yeah, 100%. So you leave your podcast um, to create the new, or maybe not new now, but your new, create your own life podcast. So what was the driving force behind that was the inspiration and the goal that you were trying to accomplish with that podcast? So so the title was actually said in angst um, because I remember uh, I quit my teaching job on a whim. I was a high school teacher to like go full-time in network marketing, which I do not recommend anybody do, but it's what, it's what I did at that time because I saw this presentation. I'm like, oh, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, I'm going to be those guys. And, uh, tomorrow, but it was, right? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. No, you know what's not tomorrow, tonight. Um, so like that, that's kind of how I looked at it. So I, I remember my, I'm talking to my, my dad about it because this was after my mom had had a stroke. I moved back in with my parents to try and like, you know, help a lot of stuff since my mom couldn't work anymore and like that. And I'm, I'm mowing the lawn. He comes out and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I want to create my own life. And he's like, well, good luck with that. So, you know, I, I kind of, you know, that's where the title kind of came from in angst, but it initially started with, you know, people that did it their own way, because like, you know, I'm very highly educated. I have a master's. I have all these, you know, degrees and whatever. I feel like to some extent we're sold a lie. Right. And I feel like that's what happened to me. Um, you know, I made the decision to do it. You know, I took the student loans. I did all that stuff, but at the same time, like, we're, we're sold a lie, right? Like you get highly educated, you get more education, you get all these different things and, oh, you're going to get a job. It's at the end of the rainbow. And I think the actual thing that I, I've learned is it's actually more of a causative thing, right? Like you, you go out and you find what you want. You go out and you find an action plan to get there. So ca- something that's causative is creation. And that's what creating your own life is. It's people that are doing it their own way, but at a very, very high level. And that's developed over time. It's become more to, you know, world-class individuals, even above that. 
because I want to talk to people that are the best at what they do. But I think these things kind of develop over time. And initially it came from the, the standpoint of like, well, I want to look at people that, you know, didn't do it the way you're quote unquote supposed to do it. And, you know, that, that's really how I've looked at it. Yeah, that's super powerful. And we talk about conversation here or um, college and education here all the time. Um, and I'm not against education, but I think Neither you just I. put it best. I'm against education when you're doing it because you think it's going to bring an end result. Um, yeah. Because you're right. We, at least our generation, I think it's changing a little bit with entrepreneurism being such a high focal point right now. And you're mm -hmm. seeing these kids that are like seven and they're out running their own businesses. But um, in our generation, it was high school, college, get a job. And like, yeah. like you just said, it was expected. Nobody ever told us that we were going to have to actually fight for that job. We were yeah. just supposed to get it because we had the college degree. Um, and and so the, problem you, the problem that happens then is you get out of college and every, everybody's got a college degree. So now you need a master's degree, but then you get a master's degree, but you're too highly qualified to start out at any career and you end up in a catch-22. So I, I, I think one of the real problems, Amber, is the thing that's actually missing. And this, it happened before the Industrial Revolution and kind of stop for the most part, unless you're in a trade career, um, you know, in the last hundred years. And that's something called apprenticeships. You worked under somebody for a period of time. You got better at it and kept doing it, decided you didn't like it and did something else. I think at 17, 18 or 19 years old to ask somebody what they're going to do for the rest of their life when the career they're getting educated for probably doesn't even exist in 10 years um, after they're done with that education. It, it's just too much to ask. You need to, there, there needs to be some more doing this, right? There needs to be some more like, Hey, go out and try to do that career for a little bit and work under somebody, you know, file all their paperwork, whatever it is that you're going to do, like get some life experience and then if you still feel that you need that education to have that career, go do it. But, you know, there needs to be some life experience first. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I would even take it further back. I've said a couple of times that um, what do you want to be when you grow up is one of my least favorite questions to ask kids. Like, Taller. It's awful. Taller, right? It never happened, though. I'm still <laughs> five, five, six. Um, no, I love the kid where, you know, cause I mean, we start asking this question to people when they're like six. Yeah. Um, and so I love the kid that's like everything. I just want to be everything. Like you are my people. Yeah. But I feel like from such a young age, we're putting in kids heads. Okay. Tell me what you want to be like, forget yeah. life now. What are we going to work towards? And that idea of forget life now and work towards something is what mm -hmm. causes midlife crises yeah. and meltdowns and career changes and all that stuff. Like live your life now and then grow. We're, we're also like, we're building good little automatons too. Like, you know what I mean? Like people that are rule followers and people that don't <laughs> think outside, like, like our education system was built to make, make employees. It wasn't built to make business owners and entrepreneurs. Like um, my, we're, we're fixing up my parents' house right now. Cause they're, they're probably looking to move within the next year or so. And uh, I found that for some reason, my mom saved every report card or progress report that I ever got. I'm like, holy crap, mom, you're out of control. So last <laughs> weekend, my wife and I were pulling these out and we're reading these and like, one of them was from my first grade teacher. And it was like, Jeremy needs to learn to talk less in class and stop asking questions. And I'm like, wait, isn't that what Whoa. we want people to do? So it's <laughs> like, it was like, he talks too much. He, ha he, he thinks for himself too much. Like, it's like a lot of these problems that like, that, you know, are things that make me successful now are what teachers didn't like about me when I was in school. And I think that the problem is we need to address the education system in a little bit of a different way because we're just making people that sit and follow rules and don't think outside of the box. And people that think outside of the box make cool businesses. They solve problems. They create the future. But we're kind of taking that out of people.
Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, and it's so funny that you say that because just this morning, scrolling through my wonderful Facebook feed that I do every morning, um, there was a meme that said, shout out to all the successful entrepreneurs who have a report card that says they talk too much. Um, <laughs> it's so true. I got kicked it's out so of true. kindergarten for, for singing <laughs> Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. And I shouldn't know what whiskey and rye were yet, but I was still singing that song. Of course, of course. And by the way, you're totally my people. So it's, <laughs> like, I'm a music nerd and it just... Yeah. So your podcast, where can people find it? Is it on all podcasting platforms? Yeah. So they can find it in any platform out there, but the easy way is actually if they go to jeremyryanslate.com and it'll actually, they'll have, there'll be a link and they can grab it on whatever platform they like. Perfect. Um, so when did this turn into the command your brand idea, the idea of taking what you've learned from your podcasting experiences and helping other entrepreneurs? Well, it's never a finished idea out of the box. Cause what happened is I had, I had a lot of people start saying like, Hey, can you do this for me? Cause it's all the idea of a podcast. Like, that's kind of cool. Like you're doing a lot of cool stuff with it. You know, could you do this for me? So I started this, uh, we called it a podcast in a box and I didn't know what virtual assistants were. I didn't know how to hire anybody. So it was <laughs> me. And then once in a while it was my wife. So it was pretty much just me. And then, you know, my dog and, uh, I designed your website. I put together your social media. I booked your guests. I edited your podcast. I put together your interview flow. I blah, 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 blah. I did all these different things like around it. So like I, I was getting paid like a dollar 99 an hour because I was doing so much work around and I wasn't making enough money around that. But like, you know, since my wife is brilliant and she was been in PR for a really long time. Uh, one of the things we were doing is when we were launching podcasts, we were getting people on other shows because it just, it kind of logistically makes sense, right? Like if you want to, um, get people listening to your show, get in front of people that listen to shows. Like it just kind of makes sense. So what happened was a lot of the people that we were building shows for were like, Hey, you know, I really appreciate all the hard work you're doing for the show. You're booking some cool guests for me, but this is a lot of work, even though you're still doing everything. I don't want to do all this stuff. Like, how about we just put me on podcast instead? I'm like, okay, I can cut out that 80%. That works. <laughs> and we just started focusing on the 20% that worked. And um, we have just really looked at making that better and better and better over the years. Like, you know, version 1.0 is, is very different than version, you know, 107.0. Like it, it kind of develops and we've, but we've always tried to keep the main thing. Like, how can we make this better? How can we do a better job at this? How can we process this, process this more? And I think that's where a lot of business owners get into trouble is they don't document, they don't write up processes, they don't figure out, you know, what everything looks like, so they can put somebody else there, and they can go do the next thing. But you know, they create kind of like this prison for themselves. So like, it's always how can I make it better? And how can I, you know, enable somebody else to do it better than I can? You mean, you have to let go of control if you want to grow oh, your so business? Hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the crazy so thing hard. is too. the crazy thing is too, is you'll put somebody there that actually because they can put their full attention to it does a better job than you. And you're like, whoa, Whoa. Yeah. This is, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Not from personal experience or anything. Cause I've never done this. Uh, none, none of us have. <laughs> um, where um, you think you can do it all yourself and you can in the beginning. And then all of a sudden there's a moment where you can't, but you're yeah. literally too busy to tell anybody else how to do it. And so and, you, and you feel like you're your own virtual assistant because you're paying yourself a dollar 99 an hour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so one of my very, very good friends is a I don't even know what to call her. Um, accountant slash bookkeeper slash like business advisor. I don't know. She does it all. And um, she had bugged me for months 
to let me take over her or to take over my finances for my law firm. And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. Like I'm an attorney. I can figure out how to balance my own books. Right. And finally, six months later, I was like, okay, I need your help. And she's like, all right, how much have you done? And I'm like, nothing. So I handed her like six months of receipt in a box and was like, you can just have it all. Like, now please make my shoebox work <laughs> yes exactly like and, and also this. i didn't put any money aside so please don't tell me i have anything i have to pay at the end exactly like ta- what are taxes i didn't think those applied to me yes so <laughs> i know and i actually just um found this amazing meme that is my new spirit animal i i have two spirit animals disappointment panda from the subtle art of not giving a fuck and the ostrich that i just found that buries his head in the sand and then just sits there so my my spirit animal is ron swanson because everybody knows he's just an animal yes exactly i love it um so with command your brand um do you do individualized services do you do podcasting events like what does it look like yeah so we're we're more focused on like we're operating as a PR agency. So like I said, my wife's been in the PR space for a really long time. So uh, we have uh, seven publicists on our team now. And really what we're focused on is figuring out like, what does your ideal customer or client look like? Where do they live? Who do they talk to? Who do they listen to? Who are their opinion leaders? And within, once we've located that, we actually take people through a coaching process because we say that every interview has three parts and maybe a little bit different depending on the show you're on. So you have to learn how to be flexible, but it's story message call to action. How does your personal mess, your personal story tie in together with your message tied with where you want people to go? Because how many times have you gotten to the end of an interview and they're like, all right, where can people find you? And they list out 37 different places that the person stopped listening to after the first one. And it becomes very dispersing to the person listening to you. So we've really tried to help people tie it together that way. And then we, our whole team actually works to then, uh, you know, book people on podcasts that way. And then we also teach content repurposing as well, because I find that like what you're doing with all this content you're creating is vital, right? Like part one is when you get the media feature, part two is what you do with it. So I think it's really vital to put those two things together. Yeah. And I actually even really resonate with that from the podcasting host side of things, because had no idea what I was doing when I got into podcasting. I took like a two day seminar that taught me some stuff and then the rest of it, I figured it out on my own. And some people may listen to this and think I still don't know what I'm doing and that's okay. They're probably not wrong. (laughs) I feel like that every day. So don't feel bad. (laughs) Right. So I have now a hundred and five episodes of my podcast and all of a sudden I'm like, huh, I could repurpose this content, but now you have 105 episodes to go through. And so getting that started from the beginning and thinking of repurposing content from the very beginning takes away all the hours that I'm currently spending creating my repurposed content. Well, and that's honestly one of the reasons I started a podcast, right? Like I, 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 I call it the five ways to repurpose content. And I hope I'm going to remember all five here, but like you start with a blog post, right? You take that blog post and you take the content and you find an expert and you create a podcast episode out of it. Then you take that podcast episode and you actually turn it into a transcript. Now you can turn that transcript into quote cards and do all these different things with it. So like, it's about taking that one piece of content and figuring out how you can use it in all these different places and deliver your message in the right places um, rather than kind of, you know, trying to spin a whole bunch of plates at the same time. Yeah, I love it. So if anybody is interested in learning more about Command Your Brand, is that on your website as well? Or do you have a um, different website to send them to? So the best place to, to, to go for that is going to be commandyourbrand.com. And they can find out all about our services, all about our team and you know how we can really help them best. 
I love it. I want to switch gears just a little bit and move into the success element. Um, I always love finding out what people think success means to them because it's different for everybody. And like I said, I'm 105 episodes in and I have never gotten the same answer. And that's amazing. So for you, how do you define success? What does it mean to you? You know, to me, it's helping the people that I know I want to help and having a bigger impact. You know, the thing personally I need to get better with is looking at the success along the way. Like I like to, I like to say that um, my wife is my sense of adventure because she likes the party. She likes to celebrate things. She likes to make sure we remember the good things we've done. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's not good enough. Next thing. That's not good enough. Next thing. And I think that's what you really have to get better at because you know what? She forces me to celebrate along the way. And because of that, you know, it's easier to, realize you've done something and get closer to that success. So I think, you know, to me, success is, um, you know, achieving that. But at the same time, if you're not enjoying it along the way, what's the point? Yeah, I 100% agree. And also like, there's a fine line, which this is, you know, kind of the other side of the coin of what you're talking about. There's a fine line between being unhappy with your life and wanting to change it and being grateful for what you have, but wanting more. And I feel like it's so easy to fall into the trap of, okay, get more, get more, get more. Like you were just saying, without having that gratefulness piece that actually ties it all together so that you actually feel that success. Yeah. Cause it's like, otherwise it's just like, all right, next thing. All right, next. You know, I mean, it's like it's like kind of like what are you doing this for if you're not enjoying it along the way? Because then you're you're back to where we were and then we started this, where you're expecting everything to happen overnight, and then when it doesn't, you're upset about it. So you yeah. have to find those way markers on the way, or you don't feel like you're achieving anything. Yeah, one hundred percent. Or you end up, you know, in that spot where you look up and you have no idea where you're at. You've gone in a completely different direction than you wanted your career to go. Yeah. Um, because like we mentioned before, you get addicted to those accomplishments. And you don't really pay attention to where you're going. Well, and then you also look at it and you're like, wow, I achieved that and I achieved that and I achieved that and I achieved that because like you don't take enough time to acknowledge them along the way. So you don't feel like you did them. And, yeah. I, and I think that too really gives you a, a big sense of confidence, right? And like when you become more confident, you can approach things better, you can commit better and you can do things better. But if you're not celebrating the wins and you're, you're only looking at, you know, where you want to go and why you're not there yet, or you're focusing on the losses, you're not going to be very confident about where you're going. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, nine, 90% of being a successful entrepreneur is living outside of your comfort zone. And yeah. it's so much easier to do that when you have that confidence, when you can look back and say, okay, I did this, you know, like the getting outside of your comfort zone is just a bunch of baby steps. And then like continuing to push yourself out of that, but you can never quite make it there if you don't acknowledge what you've done. Well, and, and, those things that you have to do that you haven't done before that are outside your comfort zone are the things you actually need to do to go where you want to go, right? Like if, yeah. if what you're already doing was the plan, then, you know, why aren't you there yet? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of what you have to look like or look at. Like wh- why would what you've already been doing work if it hasn't worked up to this point? Yeah, 100%. And how do you grow, you know, if you don't pay attention to where you're at? And honestly, like, I could have all the money in the world, but if I wasn't doing something that like challenged me and like kind of made me scared a little bit, I would Mm -hmm. be completely miserable. And I think most people would be miserable because money really doesn't do anything for you. People think it does, but it's what money represents. It's what money 
brings to the table for you to be able to go out and do those things that you want to do. And so it's that, that challenge that actually makes it rewarding. And I'd love to see um, if there's like a study on this, but like how many people, their quality of life would go down and their life expectancy after retirement, right? Because like, you know, when you're retired and you're not working and doing all these other things, like what's your purpose anymore? I think that becomes a big thing. Like I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, why would I retire? I would just find a different way to achieve my purpose or achieve my goal or create a new purpose and a new goal. And I think I'd love to see what those numbers look like, because I do feel like a lot of people, at least in my experience, you know, people I've known and they get to retirement age, they retire and they get sicker and they, you know, aren't able to do as much and they kind of go downhill. And I think a lot of it goes because, you know, what are you doing this for anymore? Yeah. Well, and I also, you know, like you said, your identity gets tied up in that. And that's the danger of work until you're 65, retire and then live your life is you don't know what life to live. Yeah. You know, work until you, until you die pretty much. Yeah. Basically I'm interested to know because comfort zones, they grow, (laughs) they stretch, they never go away. Right. So no matter how successful you get, you always have that thing that terrifies you that you're moving towards. How do you personally kind of push yourself back that voice in your head? That's telling you that this is an awful idea that, um, you can't do this. Like, how do you push past that? Do you have resources you rely on or, or what's your method? Um, I don't really have that voice in my head. I love Um, it. Because like, because like, here's the thing. And like, I, I don't know how other to put this. Like, um, like I've been through some stuff and like, you know, like, and, and I feel like when you have like your temperature on your thermometer can go a lot higher than a lot of other people. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, they're like quitting at 90 and I'm like, well, it's only 180. I think we could go a little bit further. And, yeah. and I, it's because, you know, like, you know, at 19, I got last rights and I thought like that was kind of the end for me, you know, at 24, I almost lost my mom. So I quit my career on a whim. So it's like, I've had to deal with a lot of stuff personally. So because of that, I can take a lot more. And I, and I don't want to say like I'm better than anybody else or anything like that, but like, you know, adversity sometimes can, can make you able to handle a lot more. So, you know, like I I look at it and I'm like, well, what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, okay, so you lose some money. All right, big deal. We'll figure out how to make more, you know, what's the worst that could happen here. And I think when you, when you kind of look at it that way and put it in that perspective, um, because you have had, you know, some adversity you've had to deal with in your life. It's, it's a lot easier to approach things like that. Yeah. 100%. And, um, like the voice in my head tells me, Oh, you should give that a shot. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't shot. know if yes. I should do that voice in my head. That doesn't look so good. <laughs> so your voice in your head's backwards, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and we talk, um, I, I actually talk to my clients a lot about this obituary exercise, I guess the, like, imagine what people would say at your funeral and are you happy with what they're saying and if not change your life. Um, and it's such a powerful exercise because it gives you that idea of, Oh my gosh, this could have just ended. Like if, if this ended, this is my life for you to have that experience at 19 has to be ridiculous in letting you understand number one, just how short life is. Mm -hmm. And then number two, like wanting to accomplish what you can accomplish today because yeah. tomorrow might not be guaranteed. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you what, like it didn't really hit me until I almost lost a parent because I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you still think you're invincible at that point. Like you still think like nothing can really happen to you. And then when it happens to somebody else, it kind of really hits you. You're like, wow, this, this whole thing could end. 
So I think definitely having that experience young kind of put, set my thermometer a lot higher than a lot of other people. So, you know, like the mercury can go higher for me and I can make it, you know? Yeah. And I'm a little bit backwards on that because I lost my dad at 19 and you would have thought that that would have taught me that life was short. Um, but mm. it taught me to say the phrase life is short, but I didn't really mm. understand what it meant until, so my dad was 42 when he passed away. And when you're 19, 42 seems ancient. And so you're yeah. like, well, you know, you're devastated. They're not with you. But I mean, he was 42. I'm 38. 42 is coming up and it's like so hard to think like of how young I feel, how much I still have to accomplish and Mm -hmm. knowing that this is all the life my dad got. And so that conversation for me, like it's finally hitting. I was just talking to, to my uncle about that the other day, my, my mom's brother, my, my grandfather died at, at I think 42 or 43 or somewhere around there uh, of colon cancer. And, you know, he's in his, his, uh, mid sixties now we're sitting down to lunch and he goes, you know, it just kind of hit me the other day. Like, um, my dad died like 15 years ago of my age. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I've lived longer than my father ever lived. And I think when you have that perspective, like that's gotta be really, really rough when that hits you. You know what I mean? Like definitely. Yeah, for sure. And to have it hit you after the fact, Mm -hmm. And kind of have that, what did I do with my 15 years? You know, um, that's, it's, it's just, it's something that if you haven't been through it, it's really hard to explain. You can tell people about it and try to explain it, but it's something that you have to figure out how to feel on your own. Um, because the idea that tomorrow's not guaranteed gets thrown around so much in cliche statements that it's so overused. It's almost not believed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I do feel like in society as a whole, we operate on so many cliches because everybody's read it in a business book or Jim Rowan said it, or or they grabbed it somewhere and they've memorized it, but they don't believe it and they haven't experienced it and they don't know what it is. So yeah, we live, we just, we operate too much on cliches. We have to operate on reality. That's powerful. What's coming up in the future that you're excited for with your business, with your podcast, like what's on the horizon for you? So I've been telling myself for four years that I'm not ready to write a book. Um, So I actually just signed with a publisher last week and we have started the process of finally, you know, working um, on a book uh, of a lot of what I've learned about adversity and stuff from a lot of the podcast guests that I've interviewed. So um, that's kind of the biggest, most exciting thing that, you know, we're working on right now is always telling myself I'm not ready. And I was told by many people, you're crazy. So, you know, it's the time has come. That's awesome. Let me know when that comes out. I'd be interested in checking it out. Do you guys have a timeline for it? Do you have a goal for when you want to have that written? So we actually have a meeting next week to kind of lay out a lot of that stuff. Um, But we had all of our initial stuff the last, you know, week or so. So, you know, very early stages, but very exciting. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's a big step. And lastly, if you could give any piece of advice to new entrepreneurs or to anybody who's looking to enter the entrepreneurial space, what is one thing that you just wish that you had known back when you started? Uh, so I guess I'm considered a millennial because I'm like somewhere in that age. I'm, I'm 33. So like, you know, like my generation's kind of screwed a lot of stuff up. And <laughs> I'll, I'll say from the viewpoint of like, they think that their purpose needs to come down from the skies and the, the cherubim and seraphim start blowing their trumpets and you know what you're going to do and you're going to be so happy that you're never going to work a day in your life. Um, and it's just not like that. There's a book that I read by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And I just recommend all of your listeners pick up that book and read that book because Cal talks about the idea of finding something you're good at. 
and you get better at it and better at it and better at it till it becomes effortless and it kind of gets you to the next level and you start to find, hey, you become passionate about it. And it's not about pursuing your passion out of the gate because you don't always know what that is and you can waste a lot of time trying to find it. Find something you're good at, focus on it, and you'll find passion. Yeah, that's, that's super important because I do feel like so many people, especially in the entrepreneurial space say, Oh, I wasn't born to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't an entrepreneur when I was a kid. Um, I didn't have lemonade stands when I was seven, so I can't have a business now. And so I love that. Like, and, and your purpose doesn't have to be you know, like you just said, coming from the sky, but it doesn't have to be this magnificent life-changing purpose. Yeah. Like whatever it is for you, like it's, it's okay. That's what it is. And it can develop. Like it's never fully developed. You know what I mean? It's like, you can kind of make that better and better and better and your life changes sometimes. So you can pivot and that's fine. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. And I've loved our conversation. If people want to connect with you, follow up on anything, what's the best place for them to find you? So the best place is just going to be to check out commandyourbrand.com because, you know, really the podcasting space has changed my life um, and it's helped so many of our clients that, you know, I know we can definitely help a lot of people out there. So commandyourbrand.com. Amazing. And before we wrap up, I would love to do a quick random round. Let everybody get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. If you could do any profession other than what you're doing now, what would you like to attempt? Uh, I'd like to be a bodybuilder. Okay. I've been a competitive powerlifter since I was 19. So. Oh, really? Do you yeah. still do competitions now or? No, because I was uh, walking around at 215 and stuff like that. And I kind of realized like you can't wear nice suits and stuff like that. So I'm down yeah. like 170 pounds. Okay. Um, time travel. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? 338 BC, the battle of Chironia. And I would be want to, I would want to be riding next to Alexander the Great. That would pretty, be pretty freaking cool. That was extremely specific and I love it. I, 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 studied, I studied Alexander the Great way too much. Yeah. Um, I was going to tell my, you that with your, with your historical degree, my poli-sci degree gets along with that. Just great because you can't do anything with that either. So yeah, if, if, we, if we ever had a son, I wanted to name him Megas Alexandros and my wife said, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, y- your wife has a point. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay. So we talked about, um, the book, the, um, so good, they can't ignore you. Is that kind of the book that you recommend to people the most, or is there another resource that you think would be beneficial for new entrepreneurs? The 10 X rule, uh, by Grant Cardone. It's a book that totally changed my life because you don't realize how much effort it actually takes to get something done. Love it. Um, and when you're consuming content, are you an auditory listener? Do you like to read physical books? What's your preference? So I've read a lot of physical books, um, but I've in the last few years pivoted to being more of an audio person just because I just don't have the time to sit down and read a book like I used to. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm more of an audio person now. Love it. And last but not least, because of my purely selfish, nerdish music needs, what is your pump up song? What is that song that you just can't have a bad day when you turn it on? Enter Sandman by Metallica. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> and it's because I'm a Yankees fan, so I always see Mariano oh, Rivera don't. coming out. So like, yeah. Why do you got to say stuff like that? We were getting along so well. So well. I'm a Red Sox fan. Oh, I feel so I mean, I thought we were going to be able to be friends. <laughs> and then you throw out the Yankees. Like, uh, how do you go from Garth Brooks to the Yankees? Like, I connected so much with Garth Brooks. Because I'm from New Jersey. Yankees. So, you know, it's like we kind of think we're country, but we're not really. I mean... <laughs> 
truth to that. We live in um, Northwest New Jersey, so everybody here <laughs> thinks they live in the country, but it turns out they don't. No, I grew up in Southern Idaho. I promise you it's not quite country. So um, that's amazing. Um, I will still connect with you on social media, even though you're a Yankees fan. We'll let that go. Um, I appreciate that. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. And I've, I've absolutely loved our conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Amber. This was awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.